Six Big Questions for a New Decade. The Love Times 2 podcast starts now. Welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome to the first Love Times 2 podcast of a brand new decade. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just think about it. We're sitting here at the start of 2020, the start of a brand new decade, and in many ways, we have absolutely no idea what the world's going to look like over the next 10 years. I mean, uh, trust me, as I'm looking at my news feed this morning, as I'm recording this, I can tell you, we have no idea what the world's going to look like. So it's an exciting time. Uh, it's a scary time. It's a time to be asking some serious questions, six questions, as a matter of fact, but Before we go there, maybe it would be helpful to take a snapshot of the abortion debate in the United States from a decade-by-decade view. Now, several years ago, I published my first book called Viability, and in one section of that book, I gave my own summary for each decade starting with the 1970s. Now, that's because 1973 is the year when the Supreme Court handed down the Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton rulings. You always hear about Roe, but you rarely hear discussions about Doe. So if you're not familiar with both those decisions, Roe and Doe, it's well worth your time. Do a little research and just get up to speed. You really have to take both of those together to get the full context. And yes, a really great argument, I get it, can be made that the abortion debate started in the 60s. But for the purposes of this discussion, uh, we're going to start with the 70s. So here's the 50,000-foot overview, uh, just according to Mike. Okay, here we go. 70s, the education decade. 80s, the activist decade. The 90s, the political decade. The 2000s, the strategic decade. The 2010s, the courts decade. Courts as in C-O-U-R-T-S. Now, the 2020s, totally remains to be seen, but I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to predict that the 2020s will go down in history as the culture decade. And that's because one side or the other is going to reach the cultural tipping point on the abortion debate in the 2020s. And once that tipping point is reached, it's going to be really hard to move it in the opposite direction. But before we move on any further, can I just make an observation that abortion in the United States is the establishment? I mean, take a look at the old stuff from the 60s. You know, look at some documentaries or stuff like that on YouTube. And there was all this talk about down with the establishment. I mean, that was really part of the progressive element in the 60s that was, uh, you know, th- there was just a lot of upheaval going on in the United States at that time. And one of the slogans you always heard was down with the establishment. And I mean, for crying out loud, we're entering into the sixth decade of the abortion war in the United States. The sixth decade. So there's nothing progressive about that at all. That's the definition of establishment. So anyways, I just wanted to kind of get get that off my chest and get it out there. Abortion is the establishment in the United States. So anyways, back to the point uh, about the 2020s and it being the culture decade. If I'm right, or even close to being right, that means that the 2020s will be the defining decade of the entire abortion debate because a cultural tipping point will be reached. Okay, let me restate that again. I don't want you to miss that. The 2020s will be the defining decade of the entire abortion debate. So with that in mind, I think there are six questions that we really need to be asking at the very onset of this critical decade. Okay, so here we go. Six questions, at least six questions in my mind. Okay, number one, question number one, for everyone wanting to make the world a better place for moms and babies, including unborn kids, are we finally ready to start prioritizing the changing of hearts and minds over political action? I just keep saying it because it's true. Politics is always going to follow where the 
culture is going. And I'm not suggesting political action is evil or unnecessary. Not at all. That is not what I'm saying here. But what I am saying is that the focus and the priority is on the lagging indicator, not the leading indicator when that focus is overwhelmingly on political action. That's a problem. Political action is always at the mercy of every election cycle, and every election cycle is at the mercy of where the culture is going. Okay, so I hope I'm making myself clear on that. The question is even more pertinent considering the generational shift that's occurring right now at leadership levels across the board. So the status of abortion will ultimately be decided by the culture not the courts. So are we finally ready to start prioritizing the changing of hearts and minds over political action? Okay, so here's question number two. What happens if Roe versus Wade is not overturned? Hey, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just asking the question. What happens if Roe is not overturned? And I think it will be overturned because it was horribly decided in 1973. And in a lot of circles, there's just this big presumption that Roe is, is going down and it's going down like in the next couple of months or, or whatever. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I'm just asking the question. The danger is in setting up the presumption that it will fall and in believing that even if it does, that abortion ends that day in America. And that's just not the case. And everyone looking at the dynamics rationally understands that. Just take a look at the actions of states like New York, Illinois, and California last year. And it's abundantly clear that many states are prepared to be abortion-friendly regardless of what the court does. There are some brilliant people who can offer better commentary on the legal side of this. So I'm probably getting into deep waters here. But the most likely scenario... Just from my opinion, the most likely scenario is a modification or maybe even a radical recalibration of Roe, giving states greater latitude on abortion law. But the fact will remain that the culture will ultimately decide the fate of abortion, not the courts. Okay, let's move on to question number three. Where do we have new opportunities to expand services and support for women and babies? There are a lot of great people and great ministries offering tremendous services. I've met a lot of you, and I'm just so um, just pr- so proud of the work that the pro-life community is doing through pregnancy resource centers and, and other uh, sort of facilities out there. And, and let me go on record for applauding that work. Uh, for the thousands of pregnancy resource centers across the country, awesome job. But I know from discussions with the leaders that I've met, in this world that there's always a need to do more. So how do we get there? How do we get there and do more? Here's the deal. It's not good enough to just always camp out on where we are right now, like we're already at the end of the road. We've done as much as we can do. We're right here. Talk to the leaders of these centers. They'll tell you that's not the case. Uh, We're just at the beginning. And, And I'm absolutely convinced that there are brilliant new ideas and solutions just waiting to surface. And that's something that uh, all of us at Love Times, too, are very passionate about, bringing leaders together to think big and surface those brand new solutions. And just stepping back uh, to question number two about Roe, the reversal question, the reverse of that question is also worth asking, what if Roe is reversed? Are we ready for that? And now is the time to ask that question. Moms and babies shouldn't be looked at like political pawns. And too often, when you when you get into this whole discussion, um, that's exactly what happens. Uh, the moms and the babies become political pawns on a chessboard. You know, they deserve the best help and support that we can provide them. Let's think outside of the box for new opportunities. Now, question number four, how do we better reach out with grace 
and share the forgiveness of Christ with the tens of millions of women who are struggling in the aftermath of an abortion, as well as the guys that are involved with those abortion decisions. There are some great ministries out there trying to meet this need, but I can tell you they are underfunded and not nearly as well known as they need to be. And this really may be America's largest untapped mission field. I truly believe that. Women dealing with pain and guilt after an abortion are virtually ignored by the abortion industry and even a big chunk of churches. hate to say it, but it's just true. And many of them are just left in this zone of dealing with it themselves. Like, hey, well, you know, what are you upset by? There's nothing to look at here. Uh, so they're left in the zone of trying to deal with it. It really needs to change. If I'm anywhere close to being accurate on that, and if this is such an untapped mission field in the United States, uh, how do we change that? We haven't put nearly enough effort into this area as it deserves. Question number five that we need to be asking at the start of this new decade. How do we best communicate to the world around us that every mom and every baby has value because every mom and every baby and every person who has ever lived is made in the image of God? Don't just blow past this question. I ask this question in the context of understanding very clearly, and we all need to understand this, that our culture is rapidly, I mean rapidly, dissolving away from Judeo-Christian values and influence. This is a major challenge. So so just don't skip over this lightly. There are two main points that are wrapped up inside of this question, if you kind of unpack it. And the first point is that the entire reason that a human life has transcendent eternal value is that it's made in the image of God. That is the entire reason why there is transcendent value to every human life. This isn't just some type of surface value, uh, but a God-given value that cannot be erased. Even if the life itself can be erased, you can't erase the fact that that life has transcendent eternal value because it's made in the image of God. That position that every human life is valuable hinges on this truth. And that leads us to the point number two that's wrapped up in this question. Presenting absolute truth in a culture that increasingly rejects the very concept of absolute truth is very tricky business. Tricky, but not impossible. And I think about a recent focus group I observed in which nearly all of the people in the room kept talking about gray areas and stuff like, uh, I kept hearing every story's different, so who am I to say? You know, I just kept hearing that kind of stuff in the focus group. And everybody was just sort of conditioned to just kind of keep circling back to those uh, comments, gray areas and who am I to say. But then it's very interesting because in, in a group like that, and this happened in this group, when you ask specific questions, get out of generalities, and you ask a specific question, something like, is it okay to abort a baby all the way up to the ninth month of pregnancy? I can just tell you from being there and observing it, the room gets really quiet. Why? Because most people can still recognize evil when they see it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, So why does it matter how we communicate the God-given value of life? Here's why. Because if we abandon this basis for protecting life. We are simply talking about feelings, personal preferences, whatever, but we're no longer talking about the core truth. We cannot abandon or drift away from the core truth. Uh, And when the culture drifts away from a core truth that every life is valuable because every life is made in the image of God, then we're kind of at a point where anything goes. hate to say it, but that's exactly where this road leads. So finally, there's question number six. Here it is. Question number six, for all of us working to make the world a better place for moms and babies, who are we trusting to bring that about? I mean, that's a serious question. Who or what are we placing our trust in? Do we trust elected leaders? Are we trusting in judges? Do we trust in ourselves? 
do we trust in that one media post that gets out there and it gets a million views? Or you know, do we sit back? Do we listen for that still, small voice and place our trust in God to do some really amazing things? The answer to that question is shown in our actions, pure and simple. So there you go. Six questions we need to be asking at the start of this sixth decade of the abortion debate in the United States of America. So let me recap that, and then we're wrapping up. Question number one, for everyone wanting to make the world a better place for moms and babies, including unborn kids, are we finally ready to start prioritizing the changing of hearts and minds over political action? Question number two, what happens if Roe versus Wade is not overturned? Question number three, where do we have new opportunities to expand services and support for women and babies? Question number four, how do we better reach out with grace and share the forgiveness of Christ with tens of millions of women who are struggling in the aftermath of abortion, as well as the guys involved with those decisions? Question number five, how do we best communicate to the world around us that every mom and every baby has value because every mom and every baby and every person who ever lived is made in the image of God? Question number six, for all of us working to make the world a better place for moms and babies, who are we trusting to bring that about? Hey, what questions do you think our world needs to be asking? I'd really like to know. So email me your thoughts at podcast at lovetimes2.org, and uh, we'll cover some of those questions here on the podcast. Hey, two quick thoughts. Thank you to everyone who made a gift, a year-end gift, to support our mission at the end of 2019. I just want to thank you and let you know how much you are appreciated. And also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast so that you never miss an episode. Hey, that's it for now. As we enter this new decade together, never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow. This has been 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Join us in the journey at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, and the number 2.org. Thanks for listening.